20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, Packer fans? Happy Friday. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. It's not just any episode of the Pack a Day Podcast, it's a Mike Wall episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. Always appreciate you guys joining. Most importantly, I appreciate Mike Wall joining. You can find him on social media at MikeWall68. You can find him on Process to Perform and the On My Block podcast. Mike, great to have you back. How have you been? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Yeah, I always appreciate it. We thought maybe one of these days we get to talk about a Packers victory. Yeah. This apparently is the week we actually get to talk about a Packers win. Um, one of my common questions I've kind of been asking people this week, and I'm super interested in your take as well, it's a bad Rams team. They've got Brett Rippon at quarter. Well, they had Brett Rippon at quarterback. He's no longer on their roster. What what was real from this game? What's a real takeaway that you felt? All right, that that's repeatable. That's that's not fool's gold. That's not just because it was a, a bad Rams team. Was there anything that looked better or repeatable to you? Well, I think the problem is when you don't have Matthew Stafford on that team. There, I mean, their own media will tell you they're a one win team. They're not yeah. very good. Yeah, and so. You like every you you like that you you gave up three points. You know you you like that you gave up sixty yard sixty eight yards on the ground. You love all of that, but realistically, um, I think it's very difficult to garner information from a team that going into the the season you were kind of like this team's not very good, and then they lose. Stafford starts dealing, and Puka Nakua shows up, and it's exciting. Um, I thought some of their young guys on their defensive line were were. I mean. Like 91 gave us some fits. I mean, he, you know, he, he got us, uh, he led the team in tackles for God's sakes. Yeah. Uh, Byron, Young, Byron Young's are tied with Byron Young. Who's that number, you know, the uh, number zero, the defensive end. So I thought those guys did a, a pretty good job. The reality is if you take anything away from this game for me, it's just that Aaron Jones has to be on the field as much as possible. Please give him the ball. Everybody else um, no, don't get out of the way. So we need some other people to step up, but like, he should get the ball as many times as, as humanly possible. The entire offense needs to revolve around number 33. Um, I've said it a couple of times, but I, I, the unfortunate thing is I, I think this was sort of their plan going into the year. We saw it a little bit to start the game against Chicago, obviously heavily involved. They get the big screen pass to him. They get the Texas route for a touchdown that he unfortunately gets injured on. And then he's out for a few weeks. They be, they're extremely cautious with them. The two weeks prior to this, when you're know, just kind of getting them back up to speed, I think this was the vision for it all along and just injuries basically made it so that they couldn't go along with that. I'm hoping fingers crossed and I've been fooled before and all of a sudden Aaron Jones gets forgotten again at times, but I'm hoping that this is a harbinger of things to come and we are going to see a very Aaron Jones laden offense moving forward. Yeah, certainly. And I think the other takeaway for me is I've been banging the drum for Isaiah McDuffie for a long time and Listen, he might not have the range of like Quay Walker, and I know he's not a first round pick, but in that kind of game, if he's not on the field, then everybody should be fired because he's like, if you don't respect the quarterback's ability to throw, which you don't against the Rams without Matthew Stafford, you need, you need like core thumper guys on the, on the field that are just going to set the tone. And I don't know that, I just don't know that we, that we have a guy that's better than him for just doing that specific job. Now, again, like he might not, maybe there's some things in the passing game that I'm missing or whatnot, but I just like, I don't think you can have enough of those guys on your team. And I just love when, when he can go out there and do his thing and get everybody fired up. I love the instincts with McDuffie and 
to me, instincts is one a, when it comes to linebacker play, I think we've probably talked about this in the past, but it's the number one thing that I've missed on in the past when I've watched really talented players, off ball linebackers in college that maybe didn't have the instincts, didn't have the take on ability, but they could fly around the football. Um, Stefan Anthony, the kid out of Clemson is the guy I always talk about who uh, got drafted in the first round by the saints, super athlete, really fun player. And then he got to the NFL and didn't have the instincts and didn't know how to take on people and just kind of washed out of the NFL in like three, four years. Seeing a player that has the instincts that's willing to shoot those gaps like Isaiah did this past week, uh, it can definitely pay dividends, especially in the running game. And I thought that was one of his best performances of his career. A lot of the stuff that they're doing is design, is by design. But the like, yeah, to your point, just, hey, see ball, hit ball. is It's pretty simple. You know, football is a really easy sport. We try to overcomplicate it. Um, but when you, when you give yourself the opportunity to be successful and, and impose your will by playing on their side of the line of scrimmage, it does change the makeup of the game. It changes the way that your teammates feel about themselves, quite frankly, like it, it changes the, the change goes far beyond just your individual play. And you need as many guys on, on the team as possible that are willing to do that. And that have that kind of instinct. Um, those are the guys that, you know, were the with the standouts in high school, you know, the, yeah. the kids that the kids that just always, you, they, it, it carries on. And some of these guys like you, to your point, there's some really good talented athletes, but it's not like Roquan Smith and Patrick queen are the most talented people in the national football league. They are uh, very talented, but they're not the most talented linebackers in the national football league, but they're the best linebackers in the national football league. If you watch, you know, if you watch tape, like those guys pop off everywhere you go because they're put in a position to be successful, but they're ultra, ultra, ultra competitive, aggressive, and just have no fear whatsoever. And you, you got to, you got to stock your team with as many dudes like that as you can. Another conversation for another day, but I still can't get over the fact that the bears traded away Roquan Smith just to sign Edmonds to a massive contract in the following off season. But like I said, another, another conversation for another day, but uh, Quay Walker as of Thursday was not practicing still. So it is very possible that Isaiah McDuffie will get another opportunity to play with Devondre Campbell at linebacker this upcoming week uh, against Pittsburgh, which uh, should be a good game for Isaiah McDuffie to play in a sim- not not super similar to Brett Rippon with, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, but uh, probably a more run-oriented attack again would be my guess. Yeah, they're going to be well, – their offensive – like, listen, they don't – their numbers aren't great uh, as far as the Steelers' rushing numbers, but their offensive line is actually pretty good. Uh, bringing in Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington from Georgia has helped out a lot. Like, the project, or Darnell Washington's a unit. Like, he's a big dude. And Broderick Jones playing right tackle, probably the most talented tackle in the in the, in the the draft last year. Um Isaac uh, Siamalo coming over from Philly a couple years ago is he's the bell cow for those guys. Like he makes everything run. He plays at a little bit faster speed than everybody else. Najee Harris is getting downhill. I mean, both the the backup plays well. Um, That team is struggling, not in the running game because of the running game. That team is struggling because their receivers and their quarterback do not know what's going on at the same time. Their timing of the routes is terrible. The spacing is terrible. The play calling is like is one of the palms up moment. And then when he when he's got stuff like he doesn't always hit it, but they've got talent everywhere. And if like I think if that team just decided like we're just gonna run quick screens, keepers, and run the ball, like they'd be they'd actually probably put up more points than I think they're averaging like 16 a game. I think they do a lot better than that. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, you know, speaking of another conversation for another day, you mentioned Darnell Washington and Broderick Jones. Roger Jones, one pick after Lucas Van Ness, Darnell Washington, I want to say 10, 12 picks after Tucker Craft. 
Um, obviously, Kraft and Washington. Wait, Apple after, Stout, you say after t- Tucker Kraft? Yeah, after Tucker Kraft. Yep. Nine, uh, Darnell Washington went pick 93 to Pittsburgh. He fell uh, further than people expected. Uh, Tucker Kraft went pick, where did he just go? Um, man, I just had it. Where did it go? Hold on one second. 78, 78 to Green Bay. So 15 picks prior to uh, Washington Kraft was taken. And the interesting thing was um, everyone uh, thought Washington was like this dream pick for Green Bay. All the athletic scores, having to replace Mercedes Lewis as a blocking tight end. Like everyone was all over like Green Bay is going to love Darnell Washington. That's going to be the guy that they want. And then they took two tight ends over them. Um, oh and specifically the Kraft one was was interesting. Well, Musgrave was like, you, feel, you see Musgrave, but – I mean, and Musgrave wow. and Washington would have been a perfect like one-two combo at tight end too. You got your move tight end, your your receiving tight end, and Musgrave, and you got your Washington that can just maul people. Like it would have been like a perfect. Yeah, it's. I wasn't. Th- I wasn't like doing cartwheels over him during the you know when I watched tape on him. But I mean, that's that's so that's here's what happens, right? They get into the room, and somebody's going to be really smart. Like there's a really smart guy in the room that goes. No, 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 no. We should pick this kid instead. No, no. I know that Georgia kid just played in national championship pedigree. He's two eighty five. No, but Tucker Craft. I and not like Tucker Craft might be great. Who knows? Yep. But but right now, I would say that's interesting. It is interesting, and will be one of those to to monitor through the course of the next handful of seasons for sure. Uh, all right, I got as interesting as Broderick Jones. By the way, you don't even get me started on that pick. Are you kidding me? Oh, that kid is so good. He is. That was another one that I thought Green Bay was going to be in on. I, I knew they would be in on Van Ness too, because he's just like the ultimate Packer, uh, but or like their, their draft type. But I thought Broderick Jones would be another. It'd be interesting. Uh, I know there were some people that thought maybe Jones would play at guard for a little bit, but um, like obviously with Bakhtiari going down, it would have been just, is he playing? He's playing right tackle in Pittsburgh, I'm assuming, right? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that would have been interesting, but they could have moved Zach to left. They could have done a variety of different things. Hey, let me ask you this: If okay, so I'm going to give you. I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. Yeah, no. Lucas Van Ness, the first season, Lucas Van Ness. I'm going to give you options, okay? The first season that he gets ten sacks in a season, okay? Yep. Next year, three years from now, five years from now, never. If if, if you were to bet from a casino standpoint, you would choose never, right? Like I think yeah. that would be the most likely. Based based on yeah, I would choose never. Yeah, and I don't think that makes him a bad player, but I don't think he's ever going to get ten sacks. I never thought Aaron Campbell would get ten sacks either, though. <laughs> well, maybe maybe former Iowa defensive linemen that are current edge, edge rushers are are Green Bay's uh, sweet spot. It took Cam until like what year three or four to to kind of break out too. Uh, yeah, year year four, I got a call from uh, year four. I remember I got a call from Tauscher, and Tauscher's like, <laughs> he's like. Dude, Cameron's gonna be because Cameron was our boy, but you know, he wasn't like that. He wasn't great. He just hard worker, really good dude, talked like a robot, you know, like one of those guys. And uh, but he was a great guy. And uh he was a great guy. And uh, I remember Tauscher calls me and he's like, he's like, man, he's like, Cameron's gonna be like really good this year. And I go, why? And he goes, dude, he's beat me in practice. And like Tauscher literally never got beat. He never got beaten pass pro. Yeah. Um and he was like, yeah, he beat me a couple times this year. <laughs> and he was shocked, you know. And sure enough, I think Cameron had like 15 sacks. I was like, well, if you can beat Tausch, you can beat anybody. 
Uh, apparently, I'm just going to go on a million asides today. But what what made Mark so fantastic in pass pro? Because like he's a seventh round pick coming out. Mm-hmm. I think the the mo on on Mark, and I don't think this is totally fair, or maybe it is. You can tell me. It was like it wasn't always like the prettiest, but he just always got the job done. But what uh, what made him so true. great at what he did? Honestly, it, this it's it's very rudimentary, but like he had his technique was. You would never teach what he does. You would never teach his footwork. You would never teach his hand placement ever, ever. He's got from like here to like his knees, whatever's, whatever's, oh, I just lost you. Whatever's going on down there, like his stability and like core strength and what, like whatever you want to call it, we call it Tausch heavy. And you just could not, he was like, you could not knock him over. It was impossible for him to get knocked over and move. And the other thing that, it wasn't always pretty, but you have to give Tausch his flowers. Like he was a ridiculously good athlete Damn. given the way that he presents. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't look like that, but he right. can play hoops. He's good. At, I mean, you go ahead, give him a baseball bat. He'll be the best batter on the team. Like he's just, he's a really good athlete and he's, he doesn't have a lot of fear in him at all. And so he could just go, but he was, everybody would watch and just go like, I don't even understand how this is happening. <laughs> Like, and literally, even in his yeah. like eighth year, we'd all be like, "It works! It yeah, works! It works! It just works for him." Amazing. All right, uh, I don't even know how to ask this appropriately. Can you tell me about offensive offsides? How you were taught? Was it the right call? Should it have been called? What was your view of those two plays? Okay, so I found something today that really kind of got on my nerves um, about this when I was doing our, when I was prepping for my show. Uh, oh, so offsides. Here's the deal. If you're, if you can't line up in the neutral zone, the neutral zone is defined as, um, the, the, basically the space of the football across. Yep. And then for awesome offensive linemen or our side of the football, there's something to do with the helmet of the, the, the center. The problem with all the rules now is that they write the rule book and then sometimes they fudge when they don't really care about a rule. And they've done that for years. And now what they're doing is they've decided, like, for example, all, all of the roughing the passer has turned into um, unnecessary roughness calls all over the field. It's absolutely absurd. That's a different subject for a different day, I'm sure. But they've decided that the tush push they don't really like because they're afraid somebody's going to break their neck. That's really what's happening. And so they're going to start calling these things. And you could put up, a you know, 100 different Philadelphia Eagle shots with where Runyon was, and they would look exactly the same if you just painted the helmets green. But it and and so the problem is the way that they're monitoring things is so arbitrary. But here's the deal, and this and this should bother the the players in the locker room. I have, I'm going to read you a quote from Runyon when they asked him when they asked him about it. It says a quote. I quote: "I think they have a point of emphasis every week." Side note: They do have a point of emphasis every week, and they send a video. Quote, apparently they send out a weekly video talking about that. Apparently that was in the weekly video, but I had no idea. I didn't even know they sent out a weekly video on points of emphasis. It was on the call, blah, 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 end quote. Here's the thing. I've been on multiple teams as a coach and a player. This is the first time in 15 years that I've heard that a player who's been around as long as John doesn't even know there's a video 
and the coaching staff isn't showing it to them. And that is like, when I was in Miami, I went through three coaching staffs, all of which were losing coaching staffs, like yeah. not cream of the crop. Right. But they had learned enough from Bill Belichick to know you show your players, the video, you show them which referees are going to be a part of the game and you show how many, what calls they've been calling over the last couple of weeks. You give them that information because that's part of football. That's part of preparation. And yeah. the fact that they didn't know about that, like they, he didn't even know there was a video. I was like, I couldn't believe that's, I mean, for me, that's like a, that's an indictment, man. That's a bad deal. Friends, welcome to busy season. There's school, sports, holidays, Thanksgivings, Friendsgivings, birthdays, anniversaries, meetings, meetings about meetings. You get the picture. Obviously, for me, football season is the single busiest time of the year. And with it being busy and with the holidays coming up, we all maybe have a little bit of a tendency to maybe overindulge a bit. And it's really hard to stick with that nutrition plan with all the craziness going on. Well, that's where Factor comes in. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal service and can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that also taste great? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Whatever your need is, these meals are really, really good, and I know you're going to enjoy them. So right now, head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately and I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Event, get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey there, I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. 
I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I totally agree. That is absolutely great. I mean, I've heard uh, on just like the announcers talk about weekly video or like coaches talk with it in the past. So uh, like along the way, I knew that there was a weekly point of emphasis in a weekly video. I think it usually gets uh, um, talked about when there's like uh like a major point of emphasis, whether it be like the catch rule or something like that. And they're like, Oh, we sent it out to teams this week of like what we're expecting here. And like, yeah, that is that is beyond crazy. And he, what this is his fourth year in the league, right? John Runyon's? Yeah, I think fourth year in the league. But it's it's but John, it's not John. Like John. Oh yeah, no, no for sure. Know. Yeah, John, John would have no reason to know. There's only one reason that he doesn't know about that. Because the coaches aren't showing him. Yeah, no, I, that is very very frustrating. Uh, hopefully, that's something that gets corrected in Green Bay moving forward. Uh, but yeah, interesting interesting calls and definitely disappointing to hear that uh, that they didn't even know about it and didn't see the uh, the tape ahead of time. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be corrected moving forward and we won't see the call again, but you never know. Um, all right, let's talk about a positive one. I uh, wanted to talk about Sean Ryan. He plays seven snaps at, uh, in the middle of the game for uh, the aforementioned John Runyon Jr. Plays eight snaps at the end of the game for Elton Jenkins, more garbage time-ish snaps. But uh, your first impressions of Sean Ryan and really his first snaps in his career in the NFL. Uh, I know a lot of people got excited about that. Listen, he, he went in and did his job. Uh, listen, I, I'd say this. He has good He has good bend. He's explosive off the ball, as you would expect. And it, it's a nice shot in the arm to see a kid come in and then you know, he's trying to finish. He's active. They're like, Because you see you know, guys get – not guys, but some players get complacent. And you see some – you see like when a guy comes in and he's moving around, you go, oh, wow, that's different. Yeah. which makes you go, wow, some of these other guys must be a little bit complacent. They're not looking, they're not looking to like clean up the pile. They're not looking to, you know, push the, push their guy over the pile, take a shot on the defensive end coming inside. So I liked all of that. Um, he's got a long way to go with, you know, foot placement, hand placement. It's not like, it's not like he had, you know, he had two snaps, I think on AD one snap, he got bull rush back uh, on, in the run game. The second snap, I mean, it's, it's Aaron Donald, Yep. But you know he didn't fall over and look like a fool, so I think that's positive. Um, but it's it's way too early, at least for me, not having seen him practice, to say he did you know such a commendable job over John Runyon Jr. that they need to make some sort of adjustment there. Um, but having said that, if you were just to look down the road at like who's probably the better prospect, I would say just athletically, it looks like he was. Okay. Um, but I don't I don't know you know I don't know where that puts you for this week. Yeah, Runyon did return to practice on Thursday, so a uh, good sign for him. I would assume that Runyon's probably going to be their starter if he's good to go. And I, I think just the big step for Ryan was that he moved ahead of Royce Newman, seemingly, and uh, and is kind of now in that backup guard spot, which seems to be a improvement. And uh, again, he went in and, and limited, very limited snaps, played decent enough to at least not make a fool of himself against Aaron Donald, which is something in and of, him, in and of itself. Excuse me. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, speaking of the offensive line, uh, from the untrained eye, it looked like it was a little bit better this week overall. You do have Aaron Donald on the field. You've got, as you mentioned, uh, Byron Young is a pretty good player. 
thoughts on if the offensive line played better this week? Did it, did, did there, was there anything different or was it kind of same old and they just kind of got away with some stuff? Uh, you don't see as many guys missing blocks, like completely missing blocks. So that that was, you know, yep. that's a huge step forward. Certainly, Aaron Jones being on the field, it just makes a difference. It just does. Yeah. Um, even if his numbers aren't great, it just it makes a difference in the fact that like he can jump cut on the on the touchdown. You know, Musgraves beat. Um, I think it's Hoyt stands him up in the hole, but he jump cuts out of the way, walks into the untouched in the end zone, and goes, "Oh, great job." Um, the offensive line is going to just con- – I think they're just going to continue to improve. And maybe at the end of the season, you have a group that you go, in. this is really going to be something next year. And I think you know the, the big jump, unfortunately, for this team at three and five and going into this stretch, you hope they make it a, an in-season improvement that you can notice week to week yep. against good defenses, which the Rams were not. Right. Um, the, you know, you're playing a lot of young guys over there. But – I think the big jump for this team is going to be in 2024, quite frankly. You know, and and that's probably some reshuffling, which I think you know you got some core guys in there now, and it just becomes a question of, like, what kind of offseason you're going to – like, Myers, are you going to finish up this season playing better, and then are you going to go into next season, offseason, just I'm going to to be the best version of myself next year, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, it seems like – it seems like something happened between the end of last year, this season, and, and or last season and this season, and we're just they're just kind of catching up, and uh, hopefully that hopefully that doesn't happen again. Yeah, no, I feel the same way, and I do want to see it against better defenses. I think this next stretch of four games will be very indicative of was there anything positive to take away? Is it trending in the right direction, or um, are we still the same team and just you happen to play a Rams team that's not very good? Um, I'm hoping it's the the earlier that it's it, that they're actually making some incremental improvements and we can kind of see it week to week, but time will tell. And these next four weeks should be a good test of that. Staying on the offensive line really quick. Um, there's been some talk. Yash Nyman did return to practice on Thursday as well. So we'll see if he's able to go this week, but mm-hmm. uh, both players healthy, Rashid Walker, Yash Nyman. We've seen both of them over the past two weeks because Nyman would start and then he would go out hurt and Rashid Walker would replace him. Uh, your thoughts right now on Walker Nyman, is there a difference? Does it matter? Or, you know, kind of which one you prefer at this point? Yeah, this is another, this is another tough one for me. If you, you know, if you watch tape, it's like how many, um, how many times does a player get beat and nothing happens versus how many times something happens and everybody jumps on it? Like how many plays are you almost got hit or, you know, almost gave up a sack, almost gave up a hit. And with Yash, there's, there's more than a few of those. Yeah, I think over the last couple of weeks. And so Rashid Walker, I think when we really sat down and watched both of these guys early in the season, come to I, you know, I came to the conclusion Rashid Walker is a more physical prospect, um, moves well laterally. He's had some issues for different reasons, I think, in some pass protection things this year. And they played some really good players um, that are quite frankly better than he is. Um but again, I'm kind of looking like, who do you want to build around? I would say you, you want to build around Rashid Walker, just because I think from a physical standpoint, I've never got the feeling that if you needed a yard, you could count on Yash to get a yard. Um, but I do feel that way about Rashid. So um, that might not be true 99 times out of 100. But, I, you know, you watch enough tape, you just kind of go, I know, I know what I'm seeing. We are in lockstep on that one. I know a lot of people – um, really like Yash and I, I 
I did think based on a few of the games that, you know, Rashid had, like in just the way the offensive line was playing, if they wanted to try Yash, it might find to be a try to throw some crap at the wall and see something that sticks. Awesome. But just based on these past couple of games again, I don't know. I, I, I still like the, the long-term prospect of Rashid better, not to mention the fact that Yash is a free agent after the season. I think there's probably a decent chance he's not back and Rashid is going to be on the team probably for the next couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. You, again, I think that the Project Jones thing is really hitting home right now that you brought up earlier. Uh, Sorry. Imagine, no, but imagine if you had – I mean, imagine if you had that problem. Um, yeah. But you, but you look at it – you look at next season, and certainly with Bakhtiari, the chances are he's not going to be here. I don't know how the math works out, Andy, but I think at some point you got to cut bait. As much as everybody loves him, including – I think he's – when he's healthy, I think he's one of the top three guys in the league, and he has been for years. He's a Hall of Famer in my book. I mean, I think he's that good. Um, but you, you need to find, you do not have a dominant, you don't have a single dominant player at one position on the offensive line. And I don't mean like Trent Williams dominant. I mean, like I'm a, I'm a bad dude who finished it was like, people got to worry about me being in the game dominant and yep. you need one of those guys at least. And it's, it could, the guy could be on the team and we just don't know it, but they got to have, they got to find somebody who fits that mold. Could not agree more. I think they need a, a little bit more nasty on that offensive line. I think it was, I think it was Elton who actually like finished a block on the second level this week. And I'm like, thank you. Like, that's nice to see Like, it's just yeah. like a little bit, a little bit more nasty, a little bit more finish can go a long way. Sometimes they need a player like that. So I, I'm with to, you. We used to say like, uh, we used to have, we used to have stats for knockdowns. And yeah. It was like, a, it was like a point of pride. You know, if you want to be a really good player, you were, you were knocking, you were getting your dude on the ground like eight, nine times a game, period. Like you weren't getting, it wasn't one, it wasn't three. And I know the times have changed a little bit. Like I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to go old head on everybody, but there is a mentality that comes along with being a, just a dominant dude. And the, the way that people see you and the way that the way that the opponent thinks about you and thinks about preparing for that game. It's like, I guarantee if you ask the Packers about the Steelers, on defense, they would be like, "Yeah, whatever." Like Cam Hayward's still a dude. Like, yep. dude could still play. That Highsmith kid, he's a stud. Like, I can I guarantee you our tight end rooms are watching Highsmith tape because that kid could play. You know, and it, it, the reputations mean something in this league. I'm not talking about amongst fans. I'm talking about amongst players. It means something. If I had to guess, uh, with not knowing like the actual statistics or not having that the actual actual statistics. I would guess Green Bay's in the bottom three, if not bottom bottom of teams in knockdowns along the offensive line. It would have to you be just, close. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it'd be very, very close and not in a good way. All right. The really last uh, quick one on the offensive line. I have seen this far more often, uh, and and I want to get your opinion on it. I did a whole video on it as well. There are uh, a, a smattering of people that are calling for Zach Tom to be moved from right tackle to left tackle. I believe with the belief that left tackle is more important than right tackle. Um, I don't know if it's from the the blind side. Um, yeah, obviously, you are protecting the blind side of a right-handed quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, your thought on A, is it is there something to left tackle being more important than right tackle in the modern NFL? Um, and then B, it, would there be a benefit to moving Zach Tom to left tackle, knowing that you'd have, then have to move Rashid Walker and Yash Naiman to right tackle? Uh, okay. A yes. Left. The left side of the line is always going to be more valuable, uh, than the right side. Uh, and not as much as it used to be. I remember back when I started playing, 
if you were on the like defensive ends would be lining up to go against the right tackle was always the worst guy on the field as far as pass pro it was the worst i mean yep. tauscher was like the only he was, he was an exception not the rule yep um and if you look at all the people who've broken the record over the last 40 years they're all they're all left defensive ends playing over right tackles i mean there's a reason for that because yep. the guys aren't as good so the left tackle position has always been important is it as important with the mobile quarterback and everything it probably still is because regardless if if you throw better to your right you're going to uh be in a lot of positions where that ball can reach out and get hit if you don't see it i mean at least you can see the rush coming on the one side than the other so i do think there is more value it's moving zach tom on the i don't i wouldn't understand even I would love to hear a football guy say that and explain to me why, because that wouldn't make any sense to me, um, given the fact that he looks like he's playing well where he's at, but he's not like he's elite. Um, he is getting, you know, learning learning his his technique. He's going to continue to improve, uh, but he's not he's not a guy. It's not like you drafted Jonathan Ogden and you're just place holding yeah. him at guard for a year. Like, you know, he's, he's got to learn this whole thing. This is a, this is a relatively new experience from like playing tackle. I don't know is natural for him. Like it is for Orlando pace or, you know, Laramie Tunzel or something you know, like those guys. This is um, something that he's going to continue to develop and improve on. And I think if you can, you know, look down the road and go, you know, if Lane Johnson's been the standard, is it more realistic to Zach Tom being more of a Lane Johnson or a left? I'd say he looks to me eyeball wise. He's closer to that kind of mold. So I would, I would stick him there. Yeah. Right. Tackling me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I wouldn't move him, especially this is the second year. It's still a newish position to him. He's been moved all around before he's playing well. Like it's the one thing that's kind of going well in offense. I would not want to try to break that. And uh, the other thing too, and, and I talked about this is let's say you do move him to left tackle this year. And then David Bakhtiari is back next year. So you're just going to move him back to right tackle and move him somewhere else again, or you draft a left tackle um, in the first round. Like, I don't know. I would just keep him where he is. I don't, I don't see a ton of benefit there. I, I just don't understand where the, uh, I, the offensive line has not played well, but you're protecting a, like, think about what's going on in the context of, of the entire game. You're protecting a first-year starter quarterback who doesn't have a great sense of timing. Doesn't He's not processing as fast as his predecessor, pro-snap. Yep. You have guys that are not always on the same page in the receiving core. So it's like if you move a guy right now from one position to another – you you are you have you're saying that like he is so much more he's like a standard deviation more valuable over there than he is where he's at and I just don't see in the context of this offense how that would be possible like he's totally not like Zach, I really I've been talking about Zach Tom since they, looking at him in college that I thought he was a huge find but I don't think he's that good like I, I'm not I'm not willing to go there. And there's always the possibility too, where he gets to left tackle and he's just not as comfortable there and doesn't play as well. And he plays worse. And then you move Yash and Rashid to right tackle and they're not as comfortable there and they play worse there. And you end up breaking two things at the same time. Who knows? It's I, I've never understood it either. I'm with you in lockstep in that situation. All right, before we get you out of here, a couple quick thoughts on, on Packers Steelers, obviously TJ Watts going to be public enemy number one for green Bay this week. You've talked in the past, how, um, you know, impressive he is as a pass rusher. What makes him so great? And uh, how would you go about trying to slow him down? 
uh, he, he does a great job. His get off is, is uh, elite. They're very, very across the entire line. They're very smart. They pick up calls, tells and tendencies. Like they've, they've got everything kind of figured out pre-snap. Um, he does a remarkable job at the top of his rush, being able to turn. He makes turns around the tackle that you don't think he should be able to make. He gets, he gets like, he gets skinny, uses leverage. He's got great bend. He, he spends a lot of time working on mobility on his lower body. And you can tell just the way he can kind of bend around, around right tackles. Um, I think a lot of what he does now is people are afraid of him and his, like his myth, it's like, you know, it's like the Hercules movie, like the myth kind of builds into something even more than as good as he is. They think he's like, he's not, he's not. Max Crosby, he's not Miles Garrett, and those are two different body types. But like, he's not. Max Crosby's a totally different animal, and, and dangerous in every single way. Any two point, three point stand up over the tight end, over the top. I mean, he's scary on every play. Um, what you see happening with with DJ, they did it last week. Is like they sent two tight ends at him, and then pulled the backside guard to, to clean him up. And unfortunately, what happens with those genius blocking schemes is like they green dog the linebacker and they they sandwich the, the quarterback because he's letting the ball go. So for me, I think you got to be really smart with TJ in don't give like number one thing, don't give a guy like that a free sack by like running a keep pass with nobody flashing in front of him. Like, don't do stupid stuff. That's what yeah. like Bosa always starts his games like that, like getting a free one. Um, don't try to block him like haphazardly with two tight ends that are on the line of scrimmage and one hipped off, you know, make sure you have a big block, a big body blocking him, unless it's like two running backs coming from the backfield where he literally has to play like jump the log. Right. And then you got to have a clock in your head. And I think this is one of the keys of victory, you know, for me at least was if Jordan love um, doesn't process and at a, at a high level with this team, their interior guys aren't great pass rushers, but they will rush the pocket or collapse the pocket. But you talk about what Highsmith's really good. Like they're yeah, both yeah. really good players and they, they create a lot of problems. And this team is not afraid to play man and they will bring extra guys. And sometimes they get burnt, but a lot of times they get home and, and all they're trying to do is disrupt the quarterback's timing more than anything. And we've, you know, we've had a little bit of a problem with that. So it, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. I am happy that uh, of all the offensive linemen, Zach Tom is the one that is at right tackle and will be playing a lot against TJ Watt this week. Um, he's had a, he's had a lot of really talented players. He's had to go against from Aiden yeah, Hutchinson to Matt Crosby. Yeah. yeah, big time. And, and this is just a, a phenomenal era of edge rushers in the NFL, but you are going to get your, your heavy dose and Zach Tom's seen the best of them. I'll get to see TJ Watt this week. Mike, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff as always. Where can we find your work, uh, social media, anything else you want to plug? Yeah, Michael68, Twitter, Process to Perform, and Instagram. Uh, check out the On My Block podcast. I just did a preview uh, for the Steelers game. It's out on the Process to Perform channel on YouTube. And uh, I'll put up, I'll be putting up clips between now and Sunday. Check them out. Enjoy them. Yada, yada. Always worth checking out Mike's stuff. But by the way, we started the podcast with uh, two players on the offensive side of the ball that Green Bay could have had that were Pittsburgh Steelers. 
That guy we were just talking about, of course, the cliche, the Packers could have had TJ Watt. Didn't even want to bring it up because everyone's got, but I know people were thinking it as we were talking about this anyway. (laughs) Another big time player that maybe could have been a Green Bay Packer as well. Mike, awesome. Thank you so much. You can follow him again at Mike Wall 68. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Mike Wall, I'm Andy Herman. Thanks so much for joining. And until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. (laughs) 